This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal. Oh, hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good morning, everybody. That's right. It is A's Cast Live, a jam-packed show for you as we're getting ready for A's baseball as the Oakland Athletics will continue that hated rivalry today in spring training with the Texas Rangers. It's, it's hard if you can't get up for this one. I'm still mad at Johnny Oates and Mike Hardgrove. We're going to actually play Know Your Rangers today. And no, not every answer is Nolan Ryan. <laughs> Or Steve Bouchel. Uh, yeah, there are some good ones. <laughs> Mickey Tettleton, the don't, good, the good old days. Don't want to give any of them away. Julio but. Franco, Rafael Palmero, banned from baseball. When I think of great Rangers, I who's I, your favorite Ranger of all time? That's oh, easy, Michael Young. Michael Young, he was a good player. If it's not him, it's Ian Kinsler. My favorite Ranger. I loved Julio Franco. Julio Franco with the bat like that. That was sweet. But the thing about the Rangers was always like that guy would leave and always come back. Right? Like like Rafael Palmero played for the Rangers how many times? Like three, four times? Let's let's like, just take a look. Like Will Clark Will Clark came in and then he came back at least twice. He multiple times he played for the Rangers. Palmero one, two. Yeah, he spent ten years of his career with them. He did it from 89 to 93, left to play in Baltimore, and then came back from 99 to 03. I'll give you a quick – you know who Steve Bouchel is? Yeah, his son played quarterback at Texas. Okay. So Steve Bouchel was a longtime third baseman for the Texas Rangers. Where did he go to school? Son went to Texas, so I'm going to assume not Texas. No. Why would I bring up Steve Bouchel just out of nowhere? I'm not. It's not like I'm gonna say like he went to Liberty, <laughs> or he's a Golden Gopher at Minnesota. Bring up Bouchel wearing the Bay Area. Was it a Bay Area school? You're quick this morning. You are really, really Cal. quick. He's a Stanford guy. Oh. The great Steve Bouchel, Moses Messina, our buddy from MLB Network, is going to be here at 10:15. We're going to do uh, Johnny D early today, 10:30. Uh, we had a, we got to Cobb. Well, Eno Eno Saris is on the East Coast, 
So oh, we have to we have to accommodate the celebrities. Yes. Well, our guests at eleven, eleven thirty are celebrities. So well, not that I, Johnny's not. No, Johnny's not a celebrity. Johnny's flexible. Johnny Johnny's hardworking <laughs> blue collar broadcaster. Not like you bougie. Uh, I don't know what we call you, streaming bougie people. If if Johnny can get all, if Johnny gets all five correct, I know your Rangers. No chance. If he gets all five right, I'll never bump him again. Then that time slot's his for forever at eleven thirty. We're playing today. Know your Rangers. How well do you know your Rangers? Oh, sorry. It'll be starting Monday. It'll be twelve thirty because we Arizona catches up to us. So the time, our time. Do we flip over on Sunday? Uh, yeah, two a.m. Yeah, so Sunday morning, two a.m. We we spring ahead, Arizona. Catch, we catch up to Arizona. So starting Monday, we're back on at 11. 11, 11, 11 oh, to 1. God, I can sleep in. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Uh, the Cowboy is going to be on. Jeff Brantley. Jeff Brantley, who is one of the great all-time baseball players turned broadcasters in the history of our sport. Fair to say? Yes, I 96 Rollades reliever, NL reliever of the year. Dude, this guy's career was legit. I mean, when I was a kid. He was at Mississippi State, up, right? Yeah. He led the league in saves in 1996 with 44. He had 172 career saves. He started 18 games. He was 43, 46, 172 saves. He was an all star with the San Francisco Giants. He had some good years with the Giants. It's on their wall of fame. He's on the wall of fame, for God's sake. He's up there with the greats like Joe Panic, Hunter Mar- Pence. Marvin Bernard. <laughs> I always hammer Marvin Bernard. You know why I hammer Marvin Bernard? Because I had to deal with Marvin Bernard back in the day, so this is my revenge. Did you know that Jeff Brantley ended his career with the Texas Rangers? I did not. Wow, I didn't look at his baseball reference page this morning. I, I, I did not know that. So the Cowboy... That'll be interesting to talk to about that because Ralph Kiner. Oh, when legend. You, when you talk about, like, guys that were legit players. And, no, I mean, I'm not going to – this is not taking shots. I have nothing but the utmost respect for and, – and I'm not talking – I'm talking play-by-play guys, right? Like, legit players that became play-by-play guys. There's not a lot. Like Dwayne Kuyper. No, I mean, I love Dwayne, the Kuyper family. But Dwayne Kuyper wasn't an all-star. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, Our buddy Sparksy wasn't an all-star. Hawk Harrelson. Hawk Harrelson was a terrific player. Uh, I'm trying to think what other guys. There's are. not a lot. We're talking that, that went on to not do color. There's plenty of that. They're Hall of Famers. But we're talking guys who do the actual play-by-play, call the balls and strikes. As a former as a former legit player, a guy that made scratch back in the day, Brantley made some good scratch. I'm trying for to think, his time. I'm just looking around the league now to think of guys that and there's not many. No, yeah, they say here Brantley made 18 million for a guy back in the day. We're talking, we're, we're talking about a guy that came up in the 80s and played through the 90s as a reliever. Relievers weren't getting paid huge money. He made good money for his day. So the Cowboy, that's a good gift by you. I always love having him on because, as you said, he played on one of the greatest college baseball teams of all time where you had Bobby Thigpen, who once set the record for most saves in a season, Rafael Palmero, who we mentioned, and forever giant Will Clark. The amount of talent 
<laughs> just love when people throw out the forever giant thing. Carlos Correa is a forever giant. Huh? Right? Carlos Correa, forever giant. In, in my mind, he will be. He, he gets a video tribute when the Mets come. Or no, well, not when the Mets come, when the Twins come. <laughs> is he going to get a video tribute? Oh, God. They should do that just to, just to <laughs> joke with him. Yeah. And the Mets should do it, too. Yeah, they should. That would be pretty funny. That is to do a video tri- or somebody out there do a video tribute to Carlos Correa as a giant. I remember forever all the, giant. I remember all the hi- all the great highlights of Carlos <laughs> Correa as a giant. Uh, Same with uh, Arson Judge. Uh, good news that we're going to be talking about with Moses coming up, and Jeff Passon put it out on Twitter yesterday, and you saw it yesterday in our game. A game that the uh, we lost that game, right? No, 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 no. We win. Hey, we shut out the Dodgers, one nothing. Yeah, that game was like two hours and what, 20-something minutes? I, I, I can get the official time for you. But it was very quick because there was one nothing. There was a lot of there was a lot of offensive uh, highlights in that game, but a lot of good pitch. Adam Aller pitched very well in that game. Which is very key because you're going to need all of these guys. Now, I'm not going to oversell a spring training start, but one thing that Adam Aller I know can give, and you saw it yesterday, and we really saw it at the end of last year. He gives you something. I, and, and normally, we're sitting here always talking about stuff, right? We're always talking about stuff. How good is the stuff? You talk about spin rates. You talk about all this kind of stuff. But Adam Arler gives you length. Adam Arler can actually, okay, when he takes the baseball, I feel like, I mean, I got a guy that can give me six. You don't realize how valuable that is in today's game. It's always been a valuable commodity in the game. We'll talk to Jeff Brantley about that, how bullpens have changed. Bullpens now eat up more innings than ever before in the history of baseball. How valuable is it that somebody can actually go six, seven innings? And now I'm not going to need everybody in my bullpen to get this thing to the house. You know, with, with other pitchers, with the A's, I mean, think about like, James Caprillion, he set the record, 30-something starts. I don't even like to bring it up. It makes, gives me the heebie-jeebies. He set the record for most starts of six innings or less for the Oakland A's, which we've always been known for starting pitcher, starting pitching. We've always been known for going deep in games. So it's like, you know, Adam Aller, I know a lot of I remember a lot of people because he got shelled early and everybody's like, I can't believe Chris Bassett trade, da-da. Adam Aller is going to play a major role in this year's team. And he may be the guy. He may be the long man, too. He could be somebody that comes out and gives you definite innings when when a starter does not because it, unfortunately, tends to happen all the time. Quickly, before we get to Moses, uh, we're now going to really do a, a, a big thing now with the athletics about fantasy camp. There's a, there's a video that I can play for us. Yeah, because we just went down and we covered Fantasy Camp. I couldn't believe how awesome it was. Like, it just wasn't us trying to sell it. It was like, wait a minute. You're playing the sister course of TPC Scottsdale. We're going to Top Golf. We're doing all these dinners. These guys got a cocktail hour. They've got all this partying going on. And then you're playing the baseball. I mean, this is like, this is what, to me, you want to talk about a dream Christmas gift or birthday gift. To give somebody fantasy camp would be incredible. I mean, you're hanging out with Dave Stewart, Barry Zito. You're hanging out with these guys. 
And then after the games, you're drinking beers with them back in the locker room like you're a big leaguer. You're playing on big league fields. Here, play the video. It's incredible. All right, here we go. This is a video recapping fantasy camp this year that we were at. This has been one of the coolest experiences in my life, especially like in my in baseball. The importance of stretching every morning because if you want to last all week. Camaraderie on the field, cheering your, your teammates on, sharing experiences, sharing the things that you see with different pitchers. Great job. Absolutely building all these friendships and memories with the players. That's how it starts! Second base, second base! Doesn't matter if you've ever played before, you will have a blast out here. It's just incredible. Having the treatment of a big leaguer is something that not a lot of people get to experience, and that is first and foremost the opportunity provided here. So you can register today. Camp start, camp next year, January 10th through the 16th, 2024 in Mesa, athletics.com slash fantasy camp. We had a great time. Yeah. We, got to, we, got to, we got to see a real-life hero in action, the great Brody, blowout Brazil, blows out his hammy. The guy's a, the guy's a battler. He comes back. Going to get an Emmy or going to get an ESPY uh, this year for well, comeback player of the year. When you're sitting around and you're, you're talking with World Series champions – you're with Terry Steinbach. You're with one of the great big game pitchers of all time, Dave Stewart. You know Barry Zito. Can we name uh, the, the 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 headliner? The head Ron Washington is going to be a fancy camp. I'm telling you, I hear about other people's fancy camps and the people that they have go there. I go, eh. You come to our fancy camp. You're dealing with the guys who've been to All Star games, who've won World Series. Fantasy camp is it is without a doubt. One of the best treats you could give somebody. I think whether it's a birthday present, whether it's a Christmas present, uh, we're now going to be going down every single year as we're taking fantasy camp to a whole new level. Once again, like I said, it's top golf. You're playing, uh, and I think next year might be TPC Scottsdale, where they play the Waste Management Tournament, the PGA Tour. I think we're playing that next year. I mean, you're playing top golf courses, you're going to top golf. It's the dinners, it's the parties, it's the games. I mean, we got to see Moses from uh, MLB Network. Maybe we get Moses down to get get into fantasy camp. See, Moses, are you in shape? Are you ready? Can we can we count on you next January to come to Arizona? that <laughs> now that I have about a ten months head start, maybe there's a better <laughs> chance of that happening. But <laughs> we'll see. We we'll don't want see. you to blow out your hammy or your rotator cuff, so we'll give you time to, to yeah. get it. But it, it truly is incredible. All these guys get to they get to wear all the uniforms. They're they're on the big league fields. They're in the club out. They get to use all. We have all the trainers there, so you get treated like a big leaguer. Every team has. I know you're a big Mets fan. Every team has it. Yeah. It really is oh, one yeah. of the best experience, best experiences. It's interesting because, uh, you know, I pay attention, obviously, to the Mets fantasy camp, and they have Dwight Good in there. They had, uh, you know, Mookie Wilson out there. They have all these great Mets, and you want to play with them, but there's also a little part of you that you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of your favorite players, too, at the same time. But, yeah, those fantasy camp experiences, especially if you're a fan of your team and, like, you know, you're an A's fan and you get to hang out with Terry Steinbach and Dave Stewart and, you know, guys of the 89 team, that, that would be outstanding. 
No doubt about it. All right, at MLB Network, you know, there's obviously people that are going to be, we're afraid of changes. They're going to be afraid of how things were going to be different. But already we're starting to see the data and we're seeing the games are way faster. We're seeing singles are up. We're seeing stolen bases are up. We're seeing runs are up. Everything is up while time is coming down. How are people at the network, yourself and everybody else, feeling about the changes so far? Uh, well, we love it, obviously. When you're a producer of this network, you you love games going quicker. You love um, the ability to, you know, it just moves better. I remember the first day of the games, you're you're looking at these games and it, all of a sudden you're like, wow, we're um, you're having a conversation with a person. Normally you have a conversation with a person and one at bat just passes through and said the whole inning is over. Um, <laughs> we do a lot of spring training games here and, you know, normally – We've been trained that they take three hours and now they end at 2.30. So now we have a longer show to produce in between um, the spring training game. So it's interesting. We like it. It's going to be adjustment. We keep saying in the back of our head, hey, when the regular season starts, it's going to be a little different. Um, it may not be a half hour difference, but I go the other way. Like we're still having minor leaguers playing games and they're still they don't throw sh as many strikes as, you know, the big leaguers. So. Maybe it will go even quicker in the regular season. I could envision, you know, the Mets open up against the Marlins on opening day and could be Scherzer against Alcantara. I wouldn't be surprised if that game's two hours. Like, I think we're going to get back to the mode where if two aces are going against each other, those games are going to fly. If two guys are throwing strikes constantly, games are going to fly a little more. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple of games this year end under two hours. Yeah, I mean, when we were growing up, that was normal, two hours and 15, 220. That was the norm, yeah. right? Or it wasn't wasn't that long ago that if you're watching a Braves game on TBS and it was Maddox, Glavin, or Smoltz, you weren't sitting there for three and mm -hmm. a half hours. So I have a feeling, and don't you think also that the that the viewer, once they start seeing it, they'll they'll realize, oh, yeah, this is much better. Yeah, I, I think the viewer – look, I, I have friends that they're saying, why do we need a pitch clock? This game never had time and blah, blah, blah. But then they watch it. And you, the biggest thing people are going to notice is when they watch the WBC and then watch the spring training game because WBC is essentially going back to, quote, unquote, old baseball rules, and those games took longer. Like today's Italy um, against uh, Chinese Taipei game, that game was a four-hour game, and oh. it was 11-7 because there was no pitch timer. Now, I don't think you're going to see a four-hour game this year unless it goes deep into extra innings or, you know, there's an injury that happens or things like that. So that is that is the interesting part. You're going to get people more tuned in. You ask any casual fan, you ask my mom, you ask my sisters, they're like, why don't you watch baseball? It's too long. It's boring, whatever. Um, I think the one complaint people have is, you know, when you're at a game, you kind of want to be there. It, We've always heard the data that people at the game don't mind the length. People watching at home mind the length. So we'll see if that's the difference. But I go on that flip side where now if I'm a parent, I could maybe take my kid to a night game. I could, you know, take my kid to that, you know, late afternoon game and not worry about it. Um, you were talking about when we were growing up. When we were growing up, games started at 730 not 7 o'clock. They uh, moved it back to 7 o'clock because the games were ending so late when it was a 7.30 start. Back in the, you know, 70s and 80s, games started at 8 o'clock local time because games were so quick. So I wouldn't be surprised if they realize this data is going the way it goes. We may see games start at 
either on the 30s, whether it's 7.30 or 6.30. Now, if we're going to get our WBC highlights, if we're going to see games, if we're going to – Obviously, MLB Network is going to be the place to go. And being there at the mothership of baseball, are, are you guys excited about it? Is, or, or would there be a way that you'd change it? What are your feelings about this tournament that we have now created? I, I You know, there, there are times where you're like, ah, oh, it's in March, doesn't really matter, whatever. But then you watch the games. You watch the game this morning. You watch Japan with 50,000 people and Otani going crazy. And you like the atmosphere. And I think tomorrow night it's going to be Dominican, again, the Dominican Republicans, Venezuela. And that's going to be a crazy atmosphere in Miami. So you get into it. Um, you like that the U.S. stars are there. This is kind of the first time since the tournament started that the present day stars are there. I think when it first started in 06, you saw Jeter was committed, but it wasn't. There weren't all-stars at each position. This is the first time Team USA kind of has, if you said, okay, who would be the U.S. guy to represent at that position, that guy is there. You have Trout, you have Betts, you have Goldschmidt, you have Arenado. Um, you have those guys there. The one thing that's always going to be short with Team USA is going to be the pitching. And, you know, an American-born pitcher doesn't look at the WBC the same way a Dominican-born or a Japan born player does. You see Otani's with Japan. Darvish is with Japan. Um, you see Sandy Alcantara just won the Cy Young Award. He's playing for the Dominican Republic. You see those guys that are the top players for their country. They're there. Garrett Cole is not there for the U.S. And that is the one thing that holds back. Clayton Kershaw tried to pitch for us, but, you know, there are issues there. Um, but for I think it, to get to that next level, you're going to want to see an American pitcher, a stud American pitcher commit. No, Corbin, no Corbin Burns, no Braden Woodruff. That's a little concerning. You obviously understand what Scherzer and Verlander and DeGrom, why they aren't playing age injuries. Even Wheeler and Nola of the Phillies, they had a deep postseason. So you understand those point of view, but you still wish you had your top tier American uh, starting pitcher there. Well, in the case of, like, DeGrom, it would be kind of hard because we actually need someone who can actually get on the mound and pitch. So wouldn't that be kind of hard that's true. That's, to, to, to that's, have that's DeGrom? That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> you can't rehab at the WBC, Moses. You can't. You can't. You can't do that. No, that that is a problem. But, you know, he tends to make his, he tends to make his starts in March. It's when it's April and May and June and July is when he doesn't take the ball. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we'll see. How how just how was that? You know, you're there in New York, the Mets. Mm -hmm. Degrom was your guy. He came up. He's you know the two time Cy Young Award winner. All this potential that you know it just has never fully been reached because of the injuries, but. His stuff, it's one of the great sliders of all time. He's throwing 100 miles an hour. And then you've babied him and babied him and babied him for him now to go to the Texas Rangers. How was that received by Mets fans? Um, it wasn't received well by Mets fans um, because, you know, the word was, first off, it came down on a Friday night that he signed with um, Texas. And for everyone that knows, Friday night it was felt like a news dump. It, tried, it seemed like he tried to sneak away in the middle of the night. He didn't go back to the Mets with the telling him like, hey, this was my off. similar to the judge story we read this week in the athletic, how, you know, the Yankees kind of made sure they were in clear contact. And when judge got that offer from the Padres, he still kind of went back to the Yankees and said, hey, you know, 
what's the deal here? With DeGrom, he didn't go back to the Mets. Now, there have been words that said, DeGrom said, he would he thought he was going to be back here. Um, he probably knew the Mets weren't going to offer him five years, $185 million. They were probably in that three-year, four-year range. Um, but for Met fans, this spring has been a little bit easier because you see all the reports. First day, the Rangers report to camp. Uh, he's got a left side tightness. He's a little behind schedule. If he was in New York and that same story came out, it would be like, here we go again. Here, I think all Met fans kind of were like, oh, thank God he's gone. Because we don't have to deal with this headache. We don't have to deal with this, oh, he's he's throwing off the mound today. If everything goes right with his bullpen session, then he'll go to live VP. Then he'll go to make a spring start. So that's made spring camp a little easier because you kind of know Scherzer and Verlander. Now, look, it's still March 10th. You don't know what happens. They're up there in age. But you feel a lot – you feel better that Verlander is going to take the ball 25 to 30 times a year. I don't think we had that confidence in DeGrom doing that. You know, we just, we've been previewing every single team. Today is going to be the Cincinnati Reds. We just did the National League West, and we went back-to-back days of Padres-Dodgers. was really fascinating because, you know, the Padres, a lot like the Mets, have spent a lot of money. It is time. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Padres beat the Mets. But this is right. a, uh, this is... Both these teams, the financially, their owners have gone all in. It, it has that World Series or bus feeling. Just take us as a Mets fan. You're in New York. Just take us what it's like. You got the, you know, the Yankees' expectations are always going to be there. But hell, they haven't won since 2009. What is it like right now, New York City, New York Met fan? Uh, New York City, New York, it's been interesting because you listen to talk radio and normally it's a Met fan calling in complaining in, you know, spring training. Oh, why don't we have this guy? Why don't we get this guy? Blah, 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 blah. I don't know if this guy's going to be good. But now on talk radio, you're hearing Yankee fans complain. The, the complaint, especially with the Rodon injury yesterday and now Harrison Bader news came out. He's going to miss time with an oblique. The Yankee fan is saying, OK, we're running back the same team as last year. Now, again, that tells you the difference in mindset. You're running back a same team that won 99 games, but for the Yankee fans, it's World Series or bust. So they are unsettled by that they're running back the same team. They don't feel like they're better than the Astros. So they're it's almost like, what's the point for the regular season? For the Met fan, we're almost at that level because we had a 10-game lead on June 1st, and then you lost the division to the Braves. So it's like, will there be any point in the year a Met fan will feel settled with like, oh, we got this. This is okay. No. So now we're almost in that same mindset of like, okay, our season really doesn't start till October. Um, So it is interesting in the city um, that we have two teams with very high expectations. It's interesting as a Met fan that you're kind of coming into this season as you're a favorite. You're considered one of the top teams in the league. So it's it's a weird place. I don't think many (laughs) Met fans are used to it. I'm sure we'll be back to our same doom and gloom come April 14th. If Diaz blows a save or, if, you know, Alonzo doesn't come through with runners on base. But it's a it's a very interesting time here to be a Met fan. I mean, what do you guys need, like a 25-game lead? Is that when everything's going to be okay? 25, <laughs> I still think we'd be unsettled. I think it literally needs to be we ha- – we are, we are 
the last out is made and we clinch the division. Oh. That's the only way it will be un, uh, settled. But I even said, you know, here's life as a Met fan in a nutshell. The Mets could win the World Series. And as soon as the last out of the World Series made, it was like, well, there's no way we can win next year. So, yeah. what's the point? <laughs> so it's, that, it's kind of that mindset that I don't think we know what it's like to be happy. I don't think we know. We're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, you know, spring training, like, you know, we have, I guess, our whole starting infields at the WBC. That is nerve wracking. So you don't, you, you're never settled as a Met fan. And I think that's the mentality. But at the same time, we now have an owner that we know if something goes wrong, he'll get, get someone. I don't think we had that confidence. So it's like this weird middle place we're in where we're confident if we need something, we'll get it. But at the same time, we don't know what's that thing that we're going to need and who's going to be affected and all things like that. Let me best explain Met fan. Met fan, you guys could win the World Series. As you said, the last out win the World Series, you then would complain about the parade route for the championship parade. <laughs> yeah. Why is the parade scheduled at 10 a.m.? Why <laughs> is it on a Tuesday? Why can't it be on a Wednesday? Why are they starting downtown instead of uptown? Who, why do they have this guy first speak at the dais? It should have been this guy. Yeah. No, that is that is very accurate. All right. So right now you're you're on high heat. Where do you go once the season starts? So once the season starts, I'll be in the MLB Tonight mix and, you know, bouncing around with our different analysts here. You know, we have a lot of, uh, lot of great analysts, especially, the, you know, the old staples like Harold and Dan Plesak and Al Leiter and Cliff Floyd and things like that. But, you know, you're going to see a lot more Chris Young, a lot more Cameron Mabin, a lot more Yonder Alonso on our show. And it's going to be, you know, I think we're entering a point as a network, this will be our fifth, 15th season, where, you know, we're now incorporating all the things that we probably didn't do in the early years that we're doing now, more social media, more guests um, from the players. I think in the early years, players were more reticent to coming on our network. And I think they know how much the reach of our network is. So they'll be on a lot, especially the relationships with the, um, our analysts they'll have. So it'll be a fun year on MLB tonight. Uh, we get started on opening day right at, at 12 noon and then Following us will be our MLB Network showcase with the Giants and Yankees. Um, and then we come back on for more MLB tonight. So, you know, we're going to be on a lot. We're going to have a lot of uh, live games this year. So it should be a lot of fun. You know, my wife has been trying to do that in the off season. Can we just watch something else? She's been giving me that. Can we just watch? Do we have to watch? Do we have? Can we just? Uh, I went, No. Ever since I got out, right. of, ever since I got out of uh, my talk radio show, and I'm not working for the Raiders anymore, it's baseball 24 seven year round. So yeah. uh, you know we'll be watching. I think your guys' stuff is second to none. Thank you for everything you do yeah. for us here on A's Cast Live. We truly appreciate it, and uh, be well. And let's talk again soon. All right, definitely. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, Moses. That guy right there is the uh, one of the big dogs of all programming for MLB Network and uh, does a great job for us here. Uh, we, we met him through Amelia, Amelia Schimmel, the voice of the Coliseum. But uh, Moses is um, helps us out a lot. And, you know, when you're when you're when you're watching all the shows, especially when Mad Dog, when he's with Mad Dog on high heat, uh, Mad Dog loves him.
He's a staple. He's been there a long time. He's a staple of that network. We got to meet him in person at the winter meetings, too. He came on the show then also. So Met fan would be complaining about the parade <coughs> route. Well, that's Mets, Mets fan. That's East Coast fan. Who are we going to have when we do the Mets? Today we're doing the Reds and the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley. God, who do I know from the Mets? Uh, Meet the Mets. We got – there's the a couple Mets. of guys. We got Howie Rose we can reach out to, the yeah. radio voice. Um, man, I'd love to have Ron Darling or Keith Hernandez. Maybe we get them when they come here, if the Mets come here. Come yeah, on, they do. former A, Ron yeah, Darling. They do. I need to get Darling in person. He, they came last year. Oh, we can reach out to Mark Hanna again. Yeah. But maybe we'll wait and save Canna for when he's here. Yes. Met-wise, Met we can always have Sarah on. Sarah's an ulti- the ultimate Met fan. Breaking news. Are you a football fan? Does that have to do with Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy's having a Tommy John surgery? Well, no, he had a, <clears throat> he had some kind of UCL surgery. He's supposed to start throwing again in three months. It was it Tommy? Let's see. No, it was it Undergoes to- successful elbow surgery. We'll begin throwing in three. We'll begin. You know yeah. what that means? He won't be throwing in three months. He hasn't thrown in three yeah. you know, We'll see. Yeah. So, I don't know. Could, I mean, it you, could be you, Trey Lance on opening day. On you, opening day. You have surgery to repair your UCL. It's the same thing. Uh, did you see the news about? I mean, what's Tommy John surgery? Yeah, pretty close. Do you see what? Do you see what happened with uh, Andrew Painter, the number one prospect for the Phillies? UCL UCL sprain. Last week they didn't say anything. Now it's a sprain. Yeah. He shut down for four weeks, and then we'll throw start a light tossing program. How about this? In in, in two different articles. One was on ESPN. The other was on The Athletic. One was like top 10 outings or something like that about spring training, was about Painter throwing as hard as he does. And then the next article was being shut down for – I mean, our fascination with velocity. Well, yeah, it's the way the game is now. It's it's a fascination of velocity, and yet none of these guys can stay healthy. Nobody. How long till the kid from Ben Joyce, the kid from the Angels, throws 105 as we hear about something? I mean, Hunter Green, who we'll be talking about today, he's on time. He's already – this kid blows whatever he yeah. blows, and he was, what, out of L.A., number one yeah. pick? High school kid. I mean, he's had Tommy John already. I it, mean, everybody. Red's opening day starter, Hunter Green, announced today. Walker Bueller. Twice. We talked twice. Yesterday. Yeah, he's got two. I mean, it's just – it really is – this, this this elbow, this UCL, and how hard guys throw, it's just, it's an, it's an epidemic. It's it's unbelievable. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Should we start to? Should we get ready to stump Johnny? With Is some? it know your ranger time with Johnny Dosco? Oh no, Johnny, are you ready? Are you ready, um, Johnny? I don't ranger. We'll we'll see. I'm, I'm uh, questionable, so we'll see what happens. So today's action. Um, by the way, congratulations on yesterday's game. I was you know following it. I mean, that was in and out, and it was boom, boom, spring training. See you later. 225, Tony. 225. <laughs> All about the time of game. Absolutely. Uh, about yesterday's game, we talked about Adam Aller. We talked about how he changed his process. Stephen Vogt helped him a lot with that. He's maturing in front of our eyes. 
And I know some people have a bad taste in their mouth because he got roughed up a lot last year, especially at the end of the year. But it's like, slow down. He threw, he threw the ball better in the second half. But I'm going to say this about Adam Aller. He is one guy that I know going into this season that's going to get an opportunity, and I know he can give you innings. You want to talk about the value and, oh, my God, we're going to use six a six-man rotation and no one can go more than five innings. The one thing Adam Aller – uh, good to see him throw the ball well yesterday. The good thing about him is we know this guy can suck it up and give you some innings, and that's valuable for the A's. Well, I turned to Ken between innings. I said, is it me or is his stuff really crisp? And he goes, yeah, he looks good. All his pitches look good. He just was sharp. He's a bulldog out there. He looked so good. I, I, I just That was the best start I've seen from, from a, a starter for the A's in spring, uh, to me. Uh, just the four innings he went, he looked really good. And uh, I think it's a, he's pitching with a lot of confidence right now. I know it's spring. I know it's March 10th right now, but we always talk about that. But, uh, yeah, I agree, Tony. He looked he looked really, really good yesterday to me. Well, you know, if you've got a five- to ten-year contract, yeah, it's March 10th. It's no big deal. When you're yeah. living pitch-by-pitch, at-bat, at-bat, it doesn't matter what the date is. This is do or die for you. Exactly, and that's that's the beauty of this spring for the A's. You got some guys competing for some spots. You got guys competing for bullpen spots. You guys, guys in the outfield competing for spots. So and starting pitchers competing for spots. So it's it, that this is a pretty exciting spring as far as that's concerned. I like competition in this spring. I don't like when there are twenty four guys or twenty four positions already locked in. I don't like that. So this is pretty cool. I mean, obviously there are guys that are locked in with the A's, and uh, I, I just think it's pretty cool that uh, there'll be some competition. All righty, spring training 2022 versus 2023. You ready? What do you got? Time of game, way shorter, 301 to 236. Wow. Runs per game are up. Steal attempts are up. Batting average ball put in play on ground balls, way up. Strikeouts, down. So you got shorter games, more runs, more stolen bases, more singles, more runs scored overall, and you're 25 minutes faster. Yeah, more exactly. What, 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 nothing to see here, right? I mean, that's 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 creating a, the game for trying to get the casual fan in there more action, right? So I agree. I mean, you look at all those numbers; those are positive numbers for for Major League Baseball. And uh, you know, to watch it, it's a more exciting brand. It's quicker, crisper, uh, more going on. And uh, I think you know, look. For the for the diehard fan, uh, even for the diehard fan, it just it's 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 wonderful to see. I, I love to see the, the, the just the crispness of the game. Uh, you know, Danny Jimenez had some uh, some uh, pitch timer issues yesterday, so we'll have to work on that because you know these guys are in the routines. I'm surprised it hasn't happened more, Tony. I'm surprised that those pitch uh, timer violations, which have gone way down by the way since the first week of games. So guys are making the adjustment, but I've been surprised at the adjustment that these guys are making already after pitching their whole lives a certain way. I think it's been pretty impressive. I'm impressed with the umpires. They're speeding things along. They're calling things when they need to be called so we can get this thing down before the season starts. But to have a five- or six-week spring training is going to be huge for, for guys getting this thing down when we start the regular season. So Danny couldn't get a pitch off in 15 seconds? No. Well, he had. He had I think he had three – pitch timer violations overall because he had one coming because you have to it's a what two two minute 15 second thing to come in from the bullpen he got he got banged on that one and a couple 
during his uh, during his outing as well. So it just it's good that, good that it happens now, right? It's good that it happens in spring training, so he makes the adjustment when we get to the regular season. Yeah, yeah, we can say that, and I can also say, Danny, where you been? We've already been playing games. It's not that hard. I mean, if everybody can do it, you can't get in from the bullpen and be ready to go. By and what happened? So is that immediately if you come in from the bullpen and you're late? Does that mean the first batter steps up and it's already 1-0? One and oh. One and oh. That's I mean, right. It's, I mean, one and oh. I, you know, it, like I keep saying, you, okay, you say it's early. We're playing games almost in two weeks. Yeah. You know, he only he has so many. I mean, I mean, if you look at a pitching standpoint, he doesn't have that many outings left compared to when opening day happens. Yeah, I hear you, Tony. I, I I do think. Look, I'm sure he was talked to, and I'm sure he'll make the adjustment. You know, a hitter got banged yesterday. Uh, got struck out on uh, a violation as a hitter. Didn't look up in time, and then he was two strikes. They they rung him up. So that's yeah. the first time. Get in the box and right. let's go. Right. I, I don't. I don't understand how hard that. Like, and I don't mean to, to to bag on Danny Jimenez, but let's, as you yeah. said, March 10th. Right. We're playing March 31st. Yeah, and there's a couple days off, so it's like Danny only has a couple outings left. Well, he'll he'll get it down, man. He'll get it down. I'm honestly like I'm sure I'm sure they got on him and said, you know, you got to do this. And but look, these guys have been in routines their whole careers, Tony. You know, I know. And you say make the adjustment. And look, fifteen twenty and the two two fifteen. I think the one going two fifteen. That's the one. Like, come on. But but the but the pitch timer violation on the mound. He's got his routine. He got, he's just It's an adjustment. So I'll give him a little break on that. He'll be ready by the 31st. All right. So have you been able to go out, talk to any coaches, players, ask anybody about what we're finding out now, This how, how fast these games are going, and also the product, the productivity is getting better? I think generally speaking, the players the players do like it. I haven't talked to too many players that, that don't like it, or at least they're not saying it publicly. But I think the pitchers like it. The hitters like it. The guys I talk to – uh, like it. They like the fact that it's a crisper game. They like the fact they just get in the box and hit. So overall, it's a positive thing with the players. That's what they're telling me. And I, I, I don't, I don't doubt that they're not, I, I know they're telling me the truth. So I think guys are, guys are into it. I think guys will even be more into it as we get into the season. This thing's going to become so routine. I mean, where was this thing our whole lives? I mean, yeah. and guys, as you said, guys make the adjustment. They're professional athletes, best athletes in the world. They, they get it and they will completely grasp doing this and, and be effective with it. So it'll be good. Well, you know, it's like I'm talking to you. You're used to it. You were down in the minor yeah. leagues. You were like, you like to all of us. It's still like, oh my god. I mean, at, at what point when you were calling play by play, did you did it just become the norm and you didn't even think about it anymore? You know, it took a couple of weeks because you know, it's when when you're telling a story, you you do have to kind of get in and get out, and you do want to let the broadcast breathe a little bit too. You don't want to be a mile a minute all the time. You got to let it breathe. So it did take a few weeks to make the adjustment. I talked to other announcers here too, and it took them a little, little while, but like everything else as an announcer, you, you make that adjustment. And uh, you know, Vince Scully, the greatest storyteller of all time, RIP. I would love to have seen what he, he would have mastered it so quickly. He would have been able to get the story in, get in, get out, would have been flawless, seamless. You know, it would have been. So it just, it just, the adjustment, just have to make the adjustment and get your story in, get in, get out. And don't tell a story with two outs. Don't start a story with two outs and and, and uh, find a way. Rick Monday was saying, you know, as I asked Mel Vince Scully never starting a story with two outs, he goes, he would start a story with two outs, but the batter knew it and the batter would foul off 25 pitches. He it was unbelievable. This guy had, had a knack for knowing exactly <laughs> when to start a story. So pretty incredible. 
Have you ever have you ever done that where you 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 you're starting a store and you realize, damn it, why did I do that? No, oh, absolutely, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I, I have done it. I go, we'll get to that next inning. I go, Vince Kelly never does that, but I've done it. Yeah, of course. Well, kudos to you. You're solo, right? You were doing those four hour games back in the day by yourself. Oh my gosh, Townie, four hour, fifty three minute, oh. seventeen sixteen games in Reno. So people say these spring training games, these are refreshing compared to those back in the day. You know. Yeah, it's that's nice. that's why that's why I I know that a, a lot of people have come up. Well, I'll, I'll give you one of the best stories is our own general manager David Forrest on the David Forrest Show exclusively here on A's Cast Live told us how he went to uh, what did he go to? He went to uh, Midland. Where else did he go? Oh, he was at Lansing. Lansing, yeah. So he went to Lansing, went to Midland, and then came back to Oakland. It was like, oh my god. Right. Right. Yeah. So he. So there he goes. So he's then with the Lansing first pitch timer, then goes to Midland yeah. pitch timer, comes back to Oakland and starts watching our games again and was like, oh, my God, this I is know. slow. What a difference, man. And look, you know, to have the combination of kind of a pitcher friendly ballpark in Oakland with the pitch timer, you know, I don't want to jinx, but you could have some some really nice. Togs, nice time of games in Oakland this year with with and some of these other pitcher friendly ballparks. It, it could move move right along, which is which is great. Hey, we're walking a lot and stealing bases. I wish we'd hit yeah. more. I wish we'd hit more. But as they say, get on. However you get on base, you get on base. But yeah. uh, a lot of walks, a lot of stolen bases. That that I would say that's some good news. It is leading the Cactus League, uh, leading the, all of MLB right now in, in spring training in walks, second in on-base percentage going in yesterday, about 390 on-base percentage. So that's a great sign to start. And, you know, some of these new guys that they brought on, the, the Brent Rookers of the world, these guys, they they take their walks. They, You know, J.J. Blade is known to have great plate discipline. So, you know, look, any way you get on base, the OBP uh, is going to help the A's. So it's, it's a great sign. All right, it's our daily dose. By the way, who do we play on Monday? Oh, let me I think Monday is Colorado or the White Sox. I think Colorado. Oh, it'll be know your Rockies on Monday. Cannot oh, I'm going to study all weekend, Townie. The no. rock pile, baby. Know your Rocktober. Uh, okay, Johnny. Oh, wait, wait. I, Johnny, it's time for know your Rangers. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. I'm going to start you off with a softball. Okay. What city in Texas do the Texas Rangers play in? Arlington. There you go. All right. Now here's the hard hitting. Oh my! Now it's now it's really know your Rangers. All right, here you go, Johnny. Who was the first manager in Texas Rangers history? Billy Martin. No, no, no. Wait. I want you to think of greatness. Greatness. Uh, when I walk down the street, I want everybody to say I'm the greatest hitter of all time. Well, was it? Was it? Uh, was it Ted Williams? Ted Williams, that's Ted correct. Ted Williams. No, that's great. Nineteen trivia question. Wow. And, isn't that a great question? That is a great question. I had no idea. Like on that. you wouldn't wow. think. You're like I remember when Cody. So Cody asked me this stuff, and I and I and I, I think I said Ted because he hinted at me. But you wouldn't think that Ted Williams was the. You know, I mean, he's Ted Williams, right? Ted Williams is the first manager of the Rangers. Yeah, he was a Washington was Senators the- manager, and then he carried over when they went to Texas. He was only yeah, there one year. The- Really tough to play for guys because they they said he just he you know he, do do what I do and they're like you're Ted Williams like what do you mean do <laughs> just hit three forty with forty right. bombs the the, right. 
the one guy he did help, though, I read because I started reading his book, The Science of Hitting. He helped uh, Mike Epstein, 1972 World Series champion with the A's. He was the guy that Ted Williams helped. He's mentioned in the well, book. Well, also Ted was Ted either Ted either liked you or he didn't. He liked that scene. Mm-hmm. There was no in between, right? Like yeah. he was either a fan of you or you were no bueno to him. So right. it's interesting. All right, Johnny. Next question: Who was the last Ranger to win the Rookie of the Year award? Now I'll give you a hint. They've only had two guys to do it, and the last one was in 2010. This is tough. Man, this is tough. 2010 Rookie of the Year for the Texas Rangers. I'll make it easy. Relief pitcher. Yeah, relief. Throws hard. Threw hard. Man, I give. What do you got? Neftali Felice. Nice. I know that's – I know that's – all right. It's not easy. Know your Rangers is not easy. This one is – this one could be easy. Who is the Rangers' all-time leader in home runs? This is easy. Juan Gonzalez. There you go. There Back you on go. track. There All right. You go. Who was the winningest manager in Rangers history? Come on now. Johnny Oates? Oh, no. Good guess. Uh, Not Bobby Valentine. Think recency bias. Think of our guy. He's one of us. Uh, we love him to death. Infield. Master of the Hold infield. Up. Here, I'll, I'll play a sign clip for you and see if he you know He took it. them to the World Series. Here you go. Hold on. Scott, that's right. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, Wash. It's incredibly hard. Oh, Ron Washington. Love Ron that. Ron Washington. Love that. Ron Washington, 664 Ron wins. Ron is the all-time leader in wins as the manager of the Rangers. <laughs> nice money ball cut, too, by the way. I like that scene. It's a great, great scene. All right, last one. This one could be easy. We'll see. All right, I did not get this, and Cody made it seem like this was the easiest question in the world. All right, well, preface it by saying, think Rangers and power hitter. Who hit the first home run at Globe Life Field, the new park, not the old one, the one that just opened in 2020? Oh, man. Uh, Dodger legend as well. Corey Seager did. Uh That'd be the great Joey Gallo. Dodger legend, Joey Gallo. So there you go. There's I, yeah, Corey Seager wasn't there in 2020. No, Corey he was Seager there the following 20. year. Who everyone now thinks Seager could be an MV, Dark Horse MVP candidate because of the shift. But that's uh, – I see. He he acted right. – you know why? It's because he's a – he. Cody is a Joey Gallo fanboy. <laughs> so he thinks that easy. Like I'm trying to think. I, at first, I was like, 2020, isn't that what Seager and Simeon signed? I'm like, I think, he was like, it's easy. I'm like, uh, all that right. Marcus Simeon was a Blue Jay that year, right? No. Right. No. 2020? Or was he still with us? He was with us in 2020. Yeah, so 2021 Blue Jay, 2022. 2020 is when we beat the White Sox. Yeah, 2021 Blue Jay, 22 what the Rangers. Yeah, Seager and him were there last year. Uh, so, yeah, that's your edition Monday. Know your Rocktober coming to you. On uh, Monday, very poor, very poor uh, effort on my part on that. Hey, can, no, can, can no. I can can we can I give you one bonus to make up for it all? If you get this, yeah, you will be my. I I will. You know, you know, we represent everybody in our division for all our friends, Johnny. Johnny, can you see this? Our Nolan Ryan bobblehead. Love it. Okay, I'm going to give you a question to make up for it all. You ready? Hmm. And this will take you into this will put wind into your sails heading into the weekend. Okay. 
I have struck out more batters than anybody in the history of the Texas Rangers organization, and I'm not Nolan Ryan. Who am I? Wow, and you're not Nolan Ryan. No. And you don't throw hard, and you smoke cigarettes. <laughs> Who is Jamie Moyer? No! Who was it? Who was it? Charlie Huff. Oh, knuckleballer. Oh, my gosh. Charlie wow, Huff. Nice. Look at the top five, though, in strikeouts. Charlie Huff, Bobby Witt Sr., uh, Kenny the Gambler Rogers, you Darvish, and then there's Nolan Ryan. Yeah. Fergie wow. Jenkins is on the list. Kevin Col- Brown. Colby Lewis. Jose Guzman. Colby Lewis. He had a couple good years there. Yep. Uh, yep. Don't, don't, don't you dare forget forever giant Derek Holland. <laughs> Derek Holland. <laughs> but it wasn't our guy Nolan. Wow. But Nolan still is the leader for, what, the Astros and the Angels? I, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> All righty, yeah. my friend. You have a, a. Are you at the uh, Hall of Famer again today? Yes, yes, I am. Yep, yep. Kenny and I will be on uh, today. So big. A's won a couple in a row. Can't count the Columbia game, and A's won a couple in a row now, four, seven, and two. So, uh, Paul Blackburn on the hill today uh, against Dane Dunning for the starters. And the nice thing is, when they do the, they have the game notes. They're only four uh, scheduled pitchers. You're getting to the point now where. Guys are getting stretched out, so it's not like seven or eight pitchers. So here we go. It's getting fun. Well, my friend, just uh, just to let you know that earlier today, one of the WBC games went over four hours. Did it really? Yeah, four hours. Between the, no pitch clock. What four. what game was it? Italy and Chinese Chinese Taipei. Four hours. Okay. Four hours. Wow. Like, what are you doing for four hours in a baseball game? Like, now that we look back on it, it's like, like, what do you do? Like, what is happening for four hours? It's 20, you know, the games never change, right? It's 27 outs. Both teams get 27 outs, right? Unless you play extra innings. This was not an extra, this was an extra innings, right? I don't think so. I don't think it was. Yeah. You got 27 outs. Like, what are we doing for four and a half hours to get 27 outs? Amazing. It's crazy, right? Like, you look back on it, like, as you said, doing games in Reno. Like, you look back on it, like, what were we doing for four hours and 30 minutes for a nine-inning game? I know. It's it's absurd. It's crazy. We had like a, a couple of five-hour jobs in, uh, in those extra inning games in the, in the Coast League, too. I think 5-11 or something. Oh. Like, oh. Well, that's why you made the big bucks. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, you have a wonderful weekend, and we will uh, talk to you on Monday for Know Your Rockies. All right. Thanks, Tony. Good to see you guys. Take care, buddy. Johnny D. Johnny on the spot. Four hours. Four. And there was only, I looked, there was a Chinese Taipei won 11-7. So 18 Four runs scored. Hours. It's a lot of, uh, it's a long time. It's a lot. I mean, you now, not, not, it's amazing now we look at it and we're now realizing, wow, that is a really lot. When you got spring trainings going, spring training games going 2-30, and now you add all that time to a, get the same amount, same amount of outs. You can have the same amount of outs and the same amount of runs, and you see the difference. And you also got to factor in, too, with spring training games, there's all these guys being subbed in and subbed out, too. So, you know, multiple pitchers are pitching. Hell, the other day against the Diamondbacks, Zach Gallon came in two different times. He started, came out, then he came back in, yes. went out, then he came back in. <laughs> and the game was still faster than the WBC games. Oh, man. I mean, it's uh... – it's 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 going it's it's in a good place and I think I don't know how anybody's going to argue against it 
I really don't. I, I don't. I don't know how anybody's going to look back. We'll, we'll be midsummer, and hopefully we won't talk about it anymore. But just the numbers already, as as we saw in football, right, and as we've seen in in basketball, the data shows. What do you want to do as an offense in football now? You want to run as many plays as you can, as fast as you can, and that was the Chip Kelly influence on Bill Belichick. Whatever school Chip Kelly was at in the Northeast. That would be the University of, oh. Um, what was it? Was it? Small school. Was it Maine? Mm. It's either Maine or New Hampshire. Let's see. But 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 Bill Belichick, obviously br- being a brilliant football mind, went, hey, this guy's onto something. How many plays can we run? Because we understand that as human beings. New Hampshire, he was the OC. Were you just like applauding yourself? It's a great guess. I knew you said small school and it was an Eastern school. Do you see what I'm working with? See, see, that's when you know Cody is you, you, you that that is the Cody of I know everything. Well, I said I'm right. Well, I said Maine first, so I was kind of <laughs> I, I took me my second guess, but now if you would ask me, those, I can't wait till you have kids. It's going to change you. It's what, gonna you mean, what do you mean? I'm going to ask them these same questions and it's heckle them if they get them wrong. But we we have found out that human beings perform better at a better pace, right? The Golden State Warriors want to do what? Play fast at home and lose Showtime on the road. Showtime Lakers, baby. Well, that whoa, shots fired at Steve Kerr. Uh, <laughs> and it's not Draymond's fault. 7 and 26 on the road. But what did they what you know what do they want to do? Showtime light. We want to move. We want we want that pace. We want to be fast. We want we want to get a ton of shots off. We want to be moving the basketball and you think it's about time but it's really not. Like, yes, the game is timed in the NFL and in basketball, but they realize, hey, we could slow it up. You could play, you could, you could run the football and control the clock. You could do that, no question. But they realize we can score more points. We can be more efficient by going faster, snapping the ball faster, getting the plays in faster, faster, faster. And w- what is this showing? You sent this to me last night. What is this showing, Cody? They're showing that the game's being faster, the players are being more efficient. Uh, yes. And you see the time of game dropped off by, what, 25 minutes now? It was 2.36 now. It was 3.01 last year. If you do that for the regular season, you're going to have a lot of happy people, especially people who work around the club. But the games are better. The play is better. Yeah, like even yesterday, I know it was a one nothing game, but there was a lot of base There was a lot of base runners on. And as Johnny mentioned, I watched the A's draw a lot of walks because they now they now lead spring training in walks. And the strikeouts are down. That's the big thing. Strikeouts being down is a huge thing because we complain all the time about the three true outcomes where the A's aren't hitting a lot of home runs in spring training, but they're getting on base via the walk and other ways that aren't the home run, which is good for the game. Coming up next, Jeff Brantley, the former All-Star, now does play-by-play for the Cincinnati Reds. We're covering the Reds next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, we're going to be calling Jeff Brantley here. I have no idea who they're playing today. Just call him. Yeah, well, give me, let me get his number pulled up. Supposed to be video, but, you know, technical issues. Technical issues. We deal with technical issues. We have no problems. We'll get them over by the phone. As you look at Jeff Brantley's career, it's pretty amazing. You know, you think about, 
you know, he was one of the – they were like the early stars of college baseball. When really you think about ESPN, the College World Series, where it is today, it's pretty amazing how that has grown. Do we have him? Yeah. Jeff, are you there? Hello. I'm here. Welcome back to A's Cast Live. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad. How are you? Uh, we, we, I was just, you know, before we, before you came on, we were just talking about your team at Mississippi <laughs> State, about the greatness uh, of what you had with, with uh, Palmero and Clark, yourself, and Thigpen, and, and to think, like, you guys are like the early stars of college baseball on ESPN, on cable television, and to think where college baseball is now in Omaha, but you guys really were the trendsetters and got that all started. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing when you when you look back because I mean we didn't we didn't think of ourselves as being trendsetters. We were just kids playing ball and knew we had a chance to get to the World Series and hopefully try to win it. Um, but you look back and you you see all the things that have happened since then, especially these stadiums. I tell you what, you go around in the SEC and you look at some of these baseball stadiums. They're as big as the football stadiums were when I was playing baseball. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've said about the SEC, it's like there's so much money from football coming in, and you can only build so many weight rooms and locker rooms and rehab facilities, and that all the money from television and all the money from the gate, it's starting to filter into all the different sports and all of the facilities. You can talk softball. You can talk whatever you want to talk about. The money in the SEC is insane. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, But, I I mean, from an entertainment value, I I think you get what you pay for. I I think people love sports, um, especially the big three, and I I think people enjoy coming to the ballpark. I know that when you come come to a Mississippi State baseball game, I mean, it's it's like an event. I mean, the town pretty much shuts down and everybody's there. I mean, you're talking about all the cities drawing in in and around Starkville and throughout Mississippi. It's kind of crazy, but, um, you know, I mean, who else draws – 12, 13, sometimes 15,000 for a baseball game. I know. That's just, that is so impressive. And we were talking about obviously your great career and what you did here in the Bay Area. No one's ever going to forget. Obviously, you're on the San Francisco Giants Wall of Fame. You know, for you as a former All Star, you've led the league in saves, you did everything as a player. You're doing something that really not too many people have ever done is be great also at play-by-play. We see so many ex-players go into color. You're one of the very few who was an all-star as a player and then also as a play-by-play guy. What has that meant to you to really have two distinguished careers in our great game? Well, I I don't know that I'm great at doing play-by-play. I I enjoy it, and to be honest with you, when I was was a 9-, 10-year-old kid, I didn't dream of being a major league baseball player. I dreamed of being Mel Allen or Keith Jackson. That's what I wanted to do. I I was always a fan of the voices. I can remember sitting in my car with my dad, listening to Marty Brenneman and Joe Nuxall because I was a Reds fan growing up. And I mean, I lived in Hoover, Alabama. I I was nowhere near Cincinnati. I just liked the big red machine. Yeah. I could just see you now like Keith Jackson. You could have been doing the Rose Bowl. 
<laughs> the granddaddy of them all. <laughs> <laughs> my, oh, my, it's the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Keith Jackson w- was one of the greats. When we look at this Cincinnati Reds team, I, I, I think it's very similar to what we have going on in Oakland right now. It's about looking at young players. It's about looking at the future. How's spring going for the Reds? I think it's going really good. Um, I think it's surprising at this point simply because um, – I didn't. I didn't know that we would have guys move this quickly or be this good this quickly. Uh, it's really the the first visual impression that we've gotten from some of the trades that we saw last year, especially those of us that are only with the big league club. Um, you know, I, I look at our top prospect, Ellie De La Cruz, who has always been in in our system, and I look at where he was last year compared to where he is now. Um, not just from a performance perspective but from a body perspective um, I've got a 15 year old I understand how they grow and um, mature and, and get bigger kids are doing that and uh, Matt McClain a kid that we drafted a couple of years ago uh, looks outstanding this spring we got a, we got two players Edwin Arroyo and Noel V. Marte from the Mariners in the Luis Castillo trade and both of those kids uh they hold their own, and I mean they are very, very young, and I and I don't know that they're particularly close to the big leagues at this point, but they've sure showed off this spring thus far. Well, then you got David Bell, who's just loving this Christian Encarnacio Strand kid, and obviously with Joey Votto gonna not start the season with the club. Uh, could you see this Strand being at first base for the team? I, I think that you could. I, I think that that's probably a. Um, a best case scenario kind of dream dream about it uh you know as well as i do you, you come into spring training guys that are dead fastball hitters they like to they like to swing early don't walk much they usually hit well in the early part of camp and then they kind of dwindle as the pitchers sharpen up and you start to see more major leaguers that are that are pitching there those last couple of weeks but i will say this for Christian Encarnacion Strand, if he continues to hit the last couple of weeks the way he has in the beginning of spring training, you'd be foolish not to take him. Why not ride a red-hot bat, even if it peters out at the end of April or takes you into May, because Votto's not going to be ready. Yeah, and Joey Votto, we just love Joey Votto. I mean, what a career he's had, his personality, the guy who he is. Uh, he's just a treasure there in Cincinnati. Uh, are we looking at this as the last ride for sure for Joey Votto? I think it probably is. And even though nobody really talks about that, Joey doesn't talk about it. The Reds don't talk about it. Uh, it it's one of those things that, you know, it's pretty much inevitable when you really look at this in a, in a grand scheme. And, and I think deep down, Votto probably realizes that. I think that's one of the reasons that he is, so much out in the community and so much out in the in the public eye right now with with Reds folks simply because he, he kind of senses it. Um, is it is it a guarantee that he won't be back next year? I don't know that, that that it's a guarantee. A lot of it has to do with his health and how he how he plays and finishes uh, the season this year. But I just don't see him being able to to start on time, especially with the trauma from the surgery that he had. How important is it? You know, you saw a lot of it in your day, and we don't see a lot of it anymore. 
you know, guys that are with an organization for a long, long time and they spend their careers in one spot. And I'm looking at his age now, 38, heading into 39. Just how important is it for like a place like Cincinnati to have that one player, to have your guy for, for all those years and all these kids who grow up to have that one player to root for? I think it's important. I, I think it's something that the game is – really diminish because of how free agency has bounced players from one team to another based on salary expectations. But if you can get a guy like Vado that begins his career in a spot, uh, draws the attention, especially of young fans, and then he takes that fan from age 10, 15 years old. I mean, Vado will have played 15, 16 years by the time he's done here in Cincinnati. So you're looking at a kid that started when he maybe was in high school and now he's married and he's got a couple of kids of his own and he's telling them about how good Joey Votto was when he was a rookie. Yeah. I he's I I I do believe he'll get into the baseball hall of fame. Will you agree with that? I do too. I do too. All right, let's look at the rotation because obviously ever since Hunter Green was coming out of L.A., we knew he was special. He's going to be the opening day starter. There is talent. There is, when you start looking at the rotation to the relievers, talk about the talent on the staff. Well, I think that's the great expectation for, for the Reds as, as they move towards their rebuild and the, the future of this ball club. It, it has to revolve around – uh, pitching that, that you develop. Uh, this club is not going to go out and, and spend major dollars in free agency on pitching. Maybe one player here or there to put you over the top, but that's few and far between. Uh, and Hunter Green, uh, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft. You you can write those names down every fifth day as long as they're healthy. And, and the Cincinnati hopes are going to ride on those three guys. Is it a lot of pressure? Sure it is. But it, it's, it's the nature of the game now. And these three were – making a lot of starts last year. The Reds kind of handled them with kids' gloves, and, and I think they'll continue to kind of monitor those three guys because they're the three that have shown tremendous signs of success, but they haven't logged a whole lot of innings in their careers in professional ball. None of the three have. So it's not like you can expect those three guys to go out and rack up 200 innings this year either. I mean, if they got to 180, I think that would be pretty special. But all three of these guys – uh, could be number ones in the future. I, I think that they understand the pitching aspect. I think they understand the team aspect. And probably as much as anything, they flat out work at it. So it, it makes you excited about the future of your staff. Now you've got to build a team around them. Well, you've had some time to uh, call games with the pitch timer. What are your thoughts about where baseball is going with the clock? You know, I, I really like it. I, I think that as, as we have kind of evolved and become accustomed to guys stepping out of the batter's box or us pitchers walking around the mound and maybe talking to ourselves out there, I, I think we've, we've stretched the game too far. And I think the, the interest has kind of waned from a, from a public perspective. But you put that clock in, I'm telling you what, fans are going to be blown away by how quick the game is going to be. If you haven't seen a game – live and in spring training uh when you when you pull up for opening day you're going to be amazed because the action never stops well let's end on this we have a change in schedule everybody is going to play everybody now far different from when you first got into the the big leagues how do you like the fact that you're going to see everybody now in a season 
Well, I, I think it's I think it's great for baseball. I think there are still some holdouts out there that would like to see more games played inside your division and not so much on the interleague side. But I, I think from just from a competition perspective, I, I think everybody's going to enjoy this. I think fans will enjoy it more having – I mean, think about this. Cincinnati fans have never seen Mike Trout maybe the greatest player in the game, and they've never seen him come to Cincinnati. So I think that's a cool thing that the Reds will be able to do that, uh, not only with Mike Trout, but other great players and stars throughout the game, and I think that makes it fun. Well, I know you're not going to say it, so I'm going to say it for you. What a career, the fact of what you did as a player, what you did here in the Bay Area as a San Francisco Giant. I know those times mean a lot to you, and what you've done as a play-by-play guy, not many have done it in the history of the game. You've had an unbelievable career. It's always an honor to have you on the program. Uh, Continue to enjoy spring training, and can't wait to see you during the season. Thank you, Chris. Love talking to you, man. Take care. Jeff Brantley, the cowboy. Yeah. You know, and in the 80s, his slider was nasty. You may not remember this. He used to wear sunglasses out at Candlestick Park. <laughs> well, hold on. Hold on. I don't remember this because I was too young. He had shades. They were they were like the light. They're like the light orange. They weren't the uh, pit had, viper? No, they weren't pit. They're they, kind, they kind, but he wore those out. Were they like Bret Hart's glasses? He was dope. He could play. Jeff right. Brantley was a... Uh, let me see I watched Jeff Brantley play in college, for God's sakes. Wait, Jeff Brantley. I'm just going to do a quick Jeff Brantley sunglasses. Yeah, that's not Jeff. Oh, wait. There he is. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. And the mullet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeff Brantley was legit. I type in Jeff Brantley, and uh, this is uh, it's not even Jeff Brantley. So. Yeah, Jeff Brantley, man, he led the league in saves. He had 44, what do you have, 44 saves in a season? back. I mean, back then? Let's see. Yeah, he had 44 saves with a 2.41 ERA. Would you take that in 66 games? Uh, that's very good, but especially back then when we didn't really. I mean, the save wasn't as valued as it is now. He was well, a very. He, he, you know, you started. You know, you, Eckersley's now won the Cy Young. He's won the MVP. We're establishing. You know, Tony Larusa had set up the the great Tony Larusa, who we'll see. By the way, we haven't even talked about tomorrow. Today's Friday, right? Um, yeah. I'm on a plane tomorrow to Arizona to MC the great Steve Vucinich's retirement party. Over or under five Hall of Famers there? Uh, under. Going to go under? All right. I, I know the guest list. Oh, all right. Never mind then. Well, if Tony's there, that's one. Tony's there, one. Raleigh's two. Oh, wow. All right. You want to? You wanna I never said if it was Major League Baseball or A's Hall of Fame. Oh, A's Hall of Fame. <laughs> you want you want a who's who of who's going to be at this party for Steve Vucinich? Are you ready? I got I got uh, I got the guest list. Let's hear him. You're going to have. I'm just going. It, it goes by order. Uh, Sandy Alderson will be there. Front of the program. Billy Bean will be there. Heard of him. Tom Candiotti. Heard of him. Bobby Crosby. Front of the program. Chili Davis. Front of the old program. He heard was, of him. He was gone before. Uh, one of the greatest signs ever was in the World Series in 91 when he was a twin. Do you know about that sign? No. When he's a Minnesota twin. What does the sign Against say? the Braves. Guy held, held up sign. Chili gives us the runs. <laughs> it's one of the greatest signs ever. Uh, friend of the program, Rajay Davis. That's true. And he works for Major League Baseball. Dan Feinstein, assistant GM, will be there. Raleigh Fingers. David Forst. 
Tito Francona, Terry Francona will be there. Friend of the program. Uh, Grady Fuson, the legend. Just saw him. Uh, Walt Jockety. Friend of the program. Dave Cavill. Friend of the program. Ken Korak. Kotze. Who? Who? Ken Korak, that's radio, Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer Ken Korak. Speaking of Kotze, we, we kept playing his thing in the office the other day, the, where we're doing the names. How do you say everyone's names? Mark Kotze. Yeah. <laughs> How do you say it? Mark Kotze. Uh, Carney Lansford, World Fan- Series champion. Fantasy camp. Uh, Bo Mel's going to be there. I mean, it's a who's who's list. Bob Melvin, huh? Yeah. It's Padres legend, Bob Melvin. Uh, Mickey Morabito. Oh, that's a legend. Uh, Mark Mulder. Heard of him. Might have heard of him. Dave Stewart. Nice career. Steven Vogt. Ed Sprague, World they're, Series champion. They're having a Mariner there. John Blue Moon Odom. I heard, mean, it's a who's who yeah, list going to be list. there at Steve Vucinich's 14th. Now, I've wondered. 14th? 14th. Four, four, oh, 14th retirement four, party. 14th retirement party, yeah. <laughs> 14th. It's the 14th. Um. Do I do an opening kind of start ripping people a little bit for fun? If you want, you or know, do you I should, stay away from? You that? know what you should do? Watch Peyton Manning's opening monologue from the ESPYS. Well, I, I've already got one where I could be like, "Oh, look at all the people are here! All oh, these jokes can't tell the jokes." You know, oh, you know, Moneyball, Billy Beans here can't tell my Moneyball jokes. <laughs> of course, Moneyball didn't bring a World Series, nor could it win an Oscar. So those are <laughs> off the table. Uh, you know, do stuff like that. Should I do that? Or should I just get into the Steve Lucinich? We're honoring Steve. Just go up there. How should I? How should should I take some shots? I mean, I could definitely take some shots. I, at, I, th- I think taking, I could take some shots at Melvin, but like they're like subtle shots. I think I think you should do that, or you can just go up there and be like, like the like the the PA announcer did once for the Rockets when he's announcing the Warriors. Go up there, like, oh, we're here for Steve Lucinich's retirement party. No, we're not doing. Um, no, I would, I would do, the, I would do the jokes. I mean, you know, for John Fisher's there, I can say, "Up, oh, the owner's here." I can't do my Howard Terminal jokes. Wow, right? It's, it's going right for the jugular, as they say. No, I mean, you're not <laughs> no, telling, you're not telling a joke. You're just mentioning, you know, it'd be subtle, it'd be funny. No, no, it's just I think you could do a lot with a lot of different people that are there, like David Force, general manager. Well, since we talk, we can't do Moneyball Bean. We're definitely not writing a book about last year's team. Yeah. You know, hey, like hey, that. it's it's David Force, the guy that never got picked in the pickup basketball games. <laughs> got dunked on by Tim Kirchin. <laughs> I talked to a future Hall of Famer, and he says he doesn't like the pitch clock, and that some of the greatest games I've ever been to were eighteen inning games. It doesn't matter that there was only five people in the ballpark. I'm just old school. Oh God. We, by the way, we we I think we have to pay off the tees at some point. Of yesterday about the Mets and the pitching. I'm talking about me and Steve Vucinich's retirement party and the Hall of Famers and the A's Hall of Famers. Well, you brought up Kirchner and you mentioned the future Hall of Famer and that's Scherzer. So, yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good list of who's who there, and then you're there. Okay, so who? Well, we can we can this can actually can lead into Eno. Um, we're we are now at such. A crazy point. I'm not even going to say a tipping point. I'm just going to say it's just it's jumped the shark pitching. Like they're so like Eno. Eno's with stuff plus. We're so worried about everybody. How great everybody's stuff plus, but no one can give us any volume. And now we're going to go to a six man rotation. 
Teams are talking about a six-man rotation. Do you have the Brad Lidge? Yeah, let me pull it up here. World Series champion, host on Sirius XM. What's their show again? Is he on Loud Outs? Loud Outs. Spilly and uh, CJ Nikowski. CJ, yeah. So here he is. So you got the Mets spending all this money on pitching. And listen to this. We're not even, even going to think about 200 innings. Which is, I just listen to Brad Lidge talk about pitching. And think about this is a team with the highest payroll. Think about We're just talking about the Cincinnati Reds of the Oakland A's. If the team with the highest payroll can't have five pitchers and anybody go 200 innings, where is this going? Let's hear from Brad Lidge. I almost feel like with, with the Mets this year, I'm anticipating these guys all missing a little bit of time here and there, and, and none of them really being able to get through a full season of you know, 30, 31, 32 starts. I, I think that that just is kind of baked in with these guys, even though Verlander had – you know, this incredible season last year and everything else. I, you know, the second year after that, uh, Tommy John is going to be interesting for Verlander. Can he keep it up? Are they going to try and pace him? What are they going to try and do? Same thing with Scherzer, who, as we know, can get tired down this stretch. And so are these two guys that you're kind of circling for 27, 28 starts, even if they're fully healthy going into the season? Probably so. Carrasco, to your point, you don't really know what you're going to get out of there. Quintana is obviously dealing with this injury. And then for Kodai Senga, you know, going from a once every six days, once a week rotation to once every five days, that is always a difficult thing for, for players coming over from Japan. And we have always, uh, not always, but like in most cases, we see guys battling with injuries the first year they have to do that. So, you know, would it make sense for the Mets to maybe try a six-man rotation early? I, I don't know. Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how many starts that rotation gets. I think the upside for the Mets and the good news for the Mets is that even if all those guys only make about 75% of their starts that they should, like say they all get around 25 or so of the 32, (laughs) if they can all do that, then you're still feeling like this is an elite rotation and a great team. And really all you're hoping for, uh, you know, is that when they get to middle September, they're all peaking at the right time. So because it's deep and because all the guys have so much talent, I, I feel like, you're just, you know, going into the season, you're going to know that you're just going to have to be okay with these guys missing some time. You know, we're not expecting here for these guys to pump 200 innings. You don't even want it if you're the Mets. Showalter was saying the other day how, you know, the, the end game is the only thing that really matters for the Mets. So you're going to get through the regular season fine. You're going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, you want to win the division. But even if you don't win the division, if you're the New York Mets and you get to the postseason and all these guys are healthy, you're feeling pretty good that you're going to be able to steamroll some teams and advance into that postseason. It's never quite that easy, but you just want them healthy at the right time. Uh, Weren't they healthy at the right time last year when they bowed out to the Padres at home in two games? Wasn't Scherzer? They babied him, baby DeGrom, got them where they wanted to be. Didn't they do everything he just said, and they bowed out in the first two games of the Padres and went home? Uh, yes. Fact or fiction? It was a fact. Remember that? But earlier, remember in the, when they were matching against the Braves and they did the three-game series? And yes, they, they went down to Atlanta and got swept. They they made sure. They baby DeGrom, got him back. He was healthy. He's throwing 100. Slider was nasty. Scherzer had done his rehab. He was healthy, and they got swept. They got swept by the Braves and the Padres. Yeah, they, Everything he just said they did last year, and it they lost the division, and then they got swept in the playoffs. By the way, six guys make 25 starts. Six guys each make 25 starts. How many starts is that? 150. 150. You're still 12 short. There's not enough pitching to do what they're saying. There's not. There is just not enough guys 
Who's going to start all these games? And if you go to a six-man rotation, that means now you're going to have seven bullpen guys. If we're going off, we did the math. The average start is is five and a third. So if we're going to go to six-man and the average guy's going five and a third, that means you're going to need seven bullpen guys to get 254 outs in the season. Juan Acevedo. What did he give us last year, 70? Domingo Acevedo. Domingo Acevedo. He gave us 70 starts last year. He got 203 outs. He's still way short of if we go six-man rotation and seven bullpen guys. Domingo Acevedo is a workhorse last year. He's way short of what you're going to need from relievers. And he was our number one guy. 70 games. He got 203 outs. He's still way short of the outs you're going to need from I don't it won't be the same seven guys, but there's going to be seven guys sitting in that bullpen. Whatever the names are on the back of the jerseys, they're going to have to eat up so many outs and innings. It's insane if you're going to a six-man rotation. And you look at it one of the And I, no one has that many arms. It, Nobody. And we used over 30 pitchers last year where I think we'll blow by that this year. And you look at it, one of the guy, the second guy with the most outs and in innings last year for the A's was AJ Puck and he's not here anymore. So now you have you have to have a new guy. Well, Does, to, it doesn't matter. It, it's it's just it's just who are these human beings? Well, They're going to get all these outs. Like look at the Mets. The Mets rotation right now would be Verlander, Scherzer, Kodai Senga, David. I think it's David Peterson and Carlos Carrasco, Cookie Carrasco. Uh, all those guys except for Peterson are over thirty. Kodai Senga is thirty. Jose Quintana, who they signed okay, this offseason. Okay, what's the point then? What what's your point? Well, I'm saying they're babying these guys. So if you're trying to baby these guys and go to six, don't sign older pitchers then. What they baby young pitchers? Well, a- age is not a factor. What what's the factor? They 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 baby well, all the young guys. They baby young guys. They baby old guys. They just baby everybody. Because Cohen said before earlier in the offseason that the plan is they want to be able to develop their own starting pitching. Well, you're trading all those guys away to get these older starting pitchers that aren't, aren't going to be here forever. When you can have these guys, you can bring yeah, them yeah, up. Yeah, but the point is it wouldn't matter what – doesn't matter yeah, what their gonna, age. What does it matter their age? Are you going to tell me they're going to bring up 26-year-olds and let them go 200 innings? Most likely not. And, no. And then Quintana's going to be out to start the year. That's the guy they signed in the offseason, So too. my point is what age can guys go 200 innings and give you 30 starts? Because there's you, not many of them. You're worried about the older guys. They're signing older guys. My point is, they'll bring up younger guys. They won't let it with the younger guys. But it gets back to how are you going to get all these innings done, and how are you going to get all these outs? Remember, we only had five guys go 200 innings last year, and Sandy Alcantara went 228, and he said in spring training a few, I think it was last week, that his goal is at 250, and the, and the Marlins won't let him go there. That's what Jason Stark you said. Had we tweet. used over 30 pitchers. You trying to tell me every team there's that many? There's that many pitchers on the planet who are good enough to throw that many innings in Major League Baseball. Let me see. I'll see many of the Mets used real quick last year. Mets won 101 games, and and they finished second in their division. Obviously, losing to the AL NL East to the Braves last year. The New York Mets. I'm just going to go by games, and hopefully, there's not position players, which there probably will be. The Mets used. Darren. Okay, so they used like over. They used over 30 pitchers too, because Darren Ruff. That's there's his, not. Over 30 pitchers on the planet who are good enough to pitch for 30 teams in Major League Baseball. And we're talking about going to 32 teams. Yeah. I don't know how – I mean, how every team is going to do this. Is That's, Eno joining us? He's supposed to. He's still not here yet. Oh. I mean, there's just there's not enough guys. There's not enough guys. Oh, there he is. 
Let me just let me make sure I have the open ready for him. Let me add him. All right, let me add him now. He's in Florida. Florida. He's in Florida. All right, do you have his open? The Eno Sarah Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Well, 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 where are you today, Eno? The fabulous Trump. What are you doing? At, oh, you're WBC. Okay, I got gotcha. you. No, I'm not. I'm just on a spring break, a spring training trip. <laughs> no, no, no. So they're playing a spring training game at the Trop? Yeah, uh, there was a uh, hurricane in their other place. Oh, okay. It flooded, so they're doing spring here. The so. beautiful Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida. My first time, too. <laughs> uh, hey, once you go there for the first time, don't you realize, oh, my God, these guys need a new ballpark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of charming in its own way. It's very bright. Yeah, they, you know they had a Final Four there years ago. Yeah. It's, it's kind of – I don't know. I don't I don't hate it so much as I thought I would. But it is uh, – Kind of shabby sheep, let's say. <laughs> well, it's crazy when you're there, too, because it always rains and you'll hear the lightning and everything outside. And because, as you mentioned, it's the, the, the roof is it's not see-through, but you can, like, you see the lightning through the roof. It's, uh, it's, it's an interesting joint. We can say that. You know, we were just playing Brad Lidge from SiriusXM talking about six-man rotation for the Mets we're just doing the numbers and the amount of volume. So Domingo Acevedo, right? He went 70 games for us. He got 203 outs. We were looking at if you just did a six-man rotation for the season, knowing that the average starter goes five and a third, that means these seven relievers, whoever they are, you can bust them up and back from AAA or whatever, but those seven relievers are going to have to get around 250 outs a year Domingo Acevedo, who for us went 70 games last year, only got 203. If you just start doing the simple math of oh, innings Oh, because you, and volume, you're using a roster spot on a reliever that you would have – on a starter that you would have used on a reliever. It just doesn't – it just doesn't – you're not going to have enough starters. You don't have enough relievers. I just – we're at a point to, yes, yeah, stuff plus. We want everybody to be lights out every single time they come up. But we're having a major volume problem. No, it is a totally a problem. And, you know, another way that I can that I can say it is uh, that it's not a good move is that you start getting fewer starts from your best starters. Yes. Right. That's that's another reason it's not a good move. But another way that I've seen what you're talking about in the numbers is like we want uh, these four out relievers. Right. And you want these four out relievers because you're like, oh, we've got these guys who are better than just a three out relievers. We can go a little bit of length with them. They're really great. They're kind of mini starters. Oh, I love that. But then. If they're good, you want to use them back to back. We we've been using relievers back to back and back to back to back a lot. Yeah, more yeah, you had that last year. Yeah, bullpens more. So then, if you're using guys back to back and back to back to back and for four outs, that contributes to the injury problem. So um, th there's this weird thing that like rosters and roster usage has kind of evolved the way it is because it has to be that way. And, you know, you kind of you would need to change the roster to make a six man rotation work. And I think the only way that it'll really work is if you have some up and down work, you only have three options now. So you can't just like 
oh, our sixth starter is always down in AAA, and then he comes back up. You know, you can't yeah. do that. Um, so I I kind of think it won't work. The way it could work is that last reliever is your sixth starter, and he goes back to the relief, and you kind of use off days, and you kind of toggle that. So you have somebody like Tyler McGill or David Peterson, and he's your lefty in the bullpen some days, and he's your starter some days, and he goes three innings sometimes, and he goes one inning sometimes. And you could really maybe hypermanage that where you get to where you need to go. You know, when we start looking at the New York Mets, and that's it, we're, we're going off what Brad Lidge said on his show on SiriusXM, and if I remember correctly, the Mets did everything they could to get Scherzer and DeGrom right for the big moment, right, the postseason. And even before that, when they had that big three-game set down in Atlanta where the Braves swept them. So they did everything they could to get their best pitchers to be right at the right time. They got swept in Atlanta, and then they got swept by the Padres in the playoffs. So even though you think you're what you're doing is right, it doesn't always mean it's going to work out for you. You know, there is no correlation between September team record and October success. That's sort of an, another way of saying it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think you. I think the big luck is when the injuries happen. We all have injuries on our teams, and we all have to deal with that, and it's just when they happen. And in some cases, sometimes it's better to get it out of the way in spring. You know, people were talking about, like, whoa, you know, it's a fantasy season. So, how should I draft Tyler Glass now? How should I value this guy? How should I value Carlos Rodon, who just signed a big contract, went to to New York, and he's hurt? Well, I wouldn't have put them down for much. I wouldn't have put Rodon down for 200 innings. There were only eight guys who threw 200 innings last year. I don't think Rodon's going to be one of them, you know? And uh, and I wouldn't have put Tyler Glass now down for much more than 130 innings. And maybe they got the injuries out of the way. Maybe they can kind of coast through the rest of the season. Maybe it's an abundance of caution, just as they say. So it's the biggest chaos in baseball is when the injuries happen. So since you've been in Florida, what's impressed you in the Grapefruit League? One of the things that I think is a big deal is how the umpires are enforcing the pitch clock. Uh, That's changing from game to game while I'm down here. That's changing. You know, the question is, when do you start the pitch clock? You know, when do you start it? Because once you start it, yeah, then it's easy to enforce. Okay, you didn't do your eight seconds batter. And there's a lot of batters who are having a harder time with it than pitchers. But if you if you start the pitch clock, then you know how to enforce it. But when do you start the pitch clock is a bit of gray area. And we're seeing umpires kind of play with that and wait a little bit. And uh, so I saw my first three-hour game, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, you know, in Bradenton. There was a three-hour game. That was <laughs> the first one of spring or maybe. I, like, we're, we're down to like two minutes, two hours and 30, sec- 30 minutes for yeah. uh, the average game. So uh, that one felt pretty normal. And I know that there had been some consternation in Pittsburgh because they'd been mad because, um, you know, uh, Andrew McCutcheon is back in Pittsburgh. And so every time he steps to the plate, there's this big rousing ovation. And he got popped on a hitter violation because, like, nobody – like, the umpire wasn't even behind him, right? And the catcher's standing around, and everyone's applauding. And McCutcheon's like, hey, you know, it's good to be back. And then (laughs) umpire's like, nope, strike one. (laughs) <laughs> Can you remember remember when Albert Pujols went back to St. Louis and Yadi Molina stood out in front of the plate? So every single at bat, it was the most nauseating thing. Every <laughs> single at bat. Well, he'd be starting every every at bat now. Oh one. 
yeah, yeah. So there, I know that there, you know, there were some that were upset about, you know, that call. And so there's, there, there's some gray area. And I even just talked to Kevin Cash today about what he thinks about it. And he thinks, he thinks he's seen it be very different from uh, stadium to stadium. So maybe there's some gray area with the, the people operating the clock when they do it, right? There's somebody, somebody pressing start on the clock. And so that's been a little bit of gray area. I don't get the impression from the league that they are going to change any of this. You know, there's people out there being like, oh, well, I kind of like the pitch clock, but like, what if it was 25 seconds or something? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of that. That's not happening. Not in year one. They're, they're committed to this going all season, but there is a gray area where the umpires may find a way to insert a little bit of time because it's pretty aggressive to cut 25 minutes off a game in one year. So maybe we'll settle in at two hours and 40 or two hours and 45 minutes and people will feel better about it in the regular season. Everybody is getting used to this. So, you know, the umpires, off, no matter what you say, you know, up in the league office, the umpires are the ones enforcing it and they will be the ones that sort of find a cadence I think that works for everybody. So it's important for you as a national guy to be able to go to Florida. I mean cuz obviously you're out here on the West Coast, you're able to see all the teams when they go into Oakland or they go into San Francisco. Just how important is it for you to be there to be in Florida and to see all those teams that normally, you know, you'd only see once a year. Yeah, it's nice to get in front of people I don't see as often. And, you know, spring is such a great time because people have a little bit more time for you. You can talk about, you know, more advanced things and you can talk about a little bit longer. And um, and this year it was really just important to get out there because there's so it's baseball. Baseball is different. Baseball is different right now. We just reduced the strikeout rate uh, this spring to about where it was five years ago. We just increased the batting average to where it was about five years ago. Power is down, which I don't know why, but maybe batters are adjusting and saying, hey, contact is being rewarded now. I need to get this ball in play and uh, uh, and this and there's no shift out there. So maybe I just need to just put this ball in play. So I've even seen when I look at the numbers, um, exit velocity is down this spring compared to other springs. Maybe that's early going or maybe that's an adjustment. Launch angle is down. Uh, slugging is down, but uh, batting average is up and strikeout rate is down and stolen bases are up about 25%. So, I mean, is that, isn't that kind of what people wanted? We've got more singles, more stolen bases, more action. Um, I think if you're on the fence and you're mad about the pitch clock and you're mad that they did so many rules at once, I, I think just give it a shot. Like go to a game, like, you know, that's what I would say is if you loved a game for so long and you're mad about Manfred Ball or whatever you're calling it and you're mad about these rules, at least go to a game and check it out because it's – I think mostly people like it. I can tell you out of our camp, everybody loves it. Like this is really just old school to me media people who don't like it. Fans appreciate it. Our players like it. Our coaches like it. And as you said, the time is down, but productivity – more runs are being scored, less strikeouts, more hits. I mean, everything. The big question I, I, I've wondered about, because we've talked about so much about velocity, velocity, velocity. How is, are we seeing a difference in velocity with pitchers having less time? That's exactly a, a piece that I'm working on. And it's something that, you know, I'd like to see, but I, I haven't yet seen in the numbers in terms of, um, you know, let me see if I can put, fastball velocity on this thing real quick but uh, 
you know, one thing I haven't seen is, uh, you know, <laughs> you know why it's hard? It's because it's early. Yeah. And so the pitchers that are out there are pitching three innings. And so I tell you right now that fastball velo is up again, you know, compared to last spring. But that's with pitchers only going, you know, three innings or whatever it is. And if you're going three innings, it's easier to air it out. So we're going to really see in the next couple of weeks what this means. And that's exactly the kind of story I'm working on. Ask Kevin Cash. They're monitoring, you know, their their starters the third time through. They're starting not third time through, but at least third inning. Now <laughs> they're getting the third inning and fourth inning. If they're monitoring velocity, if they're wondering, worried about that, I asked Drew Rasmussen about it. Um, and I'm going to ask a few more pitchers about it because um, it is more fatigue. You're asking the pitchers to move faster. If you ask them to move faster without as much rest in between, there's more fatigue. And the more fatigue there is, the more injuries there could be and the more velo loss you could see in the fourth and fifth innings, which would be weird. It would put more pressure on teams to take the starting pitcher out earlier, ah. which is something that baseball does not want. Now, you know, what's also happening is people talking about that separately and what baseball might do about the starting pitcher. And um, I believe it was maybe um, uh, Max Scherzer on a podcast uh, might have suggested um, that you that you lose your DH. You, if you take your starting pitcher out before one of these three things happens, you lose your DH. And the idea is either your starter hits the sixth inning, you can take him out and keep your DH. If your starter gives up four, four runs, you can take him out and keep your DH. If your starter... Maybe it throws a certain amount of pitches. I forget what the third one was. But the idea is create some benchmarks where if you don't reach those benchmarks, you lose your DH. So there's some sort of penalty for taking a pitcher out early. It's an interesting idea. I don't think that people will like it because it's so like, oh, you do what? You do what? You don't like it. Have to explain it every time it happened. <laughs> you know, like, but at the same time, baseball can make these rules. And I think that when people talk about, hey, are we going to the game tonight? You going to the game tonight? Who's starting? Yes. You know, I still think the starting pitcher matters a lot to how people sense the game. When you see like a, a probables, if you're looking at the if you're looking at the who's playing tonight across the league, like it says probables. It has yes. starting pitcher probables on there. That's that's meaningful. It's the only name that's on there. It doesn't say who's starting at shortstop. <laughs> it says who's the starting pitcher tonight. And that's kind of how we think of football is who's the quarterback, right? So I think, you know, if there is something to be done, they, there are some incentives here. Like, for example, if you let more balls in play with the shift, right, it puts pressure on teams to get more strikeouts. They want more strikeouts because now they can't defend it as well. So that's just going to put more upward pressure on strikeouts. So there are some of the rules they're making, they're changing right now, that will put upward pressure on strikeouts and downward pressure on starters' innings, which is not exactly what they wanted. Yeah, but if guys are making more contact and there's less strikeouts, we just got to let it see play out because right now it's working. So we'll see how it goes from spring training into the regular season. You're there in Tampa. You know, everybody's always going to talk about Yankees. Everybody is always going to talk about, you know, uh, the Red Sox and what they're doing. You got the Toronto Blue Jays people think are real in it. What are the Orioles going to look like? And once again, people are not talking about the Rays. What do you think so far being around Rays camp? They're used to it, you know. They're used to it. They're, 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 they've self-styled underdogs, you know, in a way. They're used to not being talked about. But, um, you know, there's a little difference with these Rays than in the past. They're a little bit more established. You know, I was talking to Array about how in the past they'd kind of 
gone to 80 innings because that's who they had. But now they have Shane McClanahan. They're not going to stop him in 80 innings. You know, Drew Rasmussen has a year under his belt. They're not going to stop him. Jeffrey Springs is a not almost a season start at this point. Zach Eflin, the guy got they got from he was the biggest uh, free agent contract of their history with Zach Eflin for three years from the Phillies. Um, so they have guys now. They don't have to do the opener anymore. They used to do the opener because they had to. They, they had guys that weren't, you know, they didn't make the very most out of it. They had to figure it out. They didn't have a fifth starter, so they pieced it together with an opener and a bulk guy, you know? But this year they have five, six good starters. They have some depth, and I think it's really all about Wander Franco taking the next step. If he takes the next step and he becomes a superstar, that can take them from a, a team that maybe wins a postseason series, makes the postseason, to some somebody that wins the whole thing. And I think it's it's hard to put it all on one player, but it's because it's such a solid team that one superstar could make a big difference. You know, it's a, they're solid. They they do everything right, but one superstar puts everybody on their shoulders in a way, takes gives them that extra three wins. You know what I mean? That just that that like takes them beyond their projections. So it's a lot to put on one guy, but he's a guy that. You know, has a lot in common statistically with Jose Ramirez, a guy who's been in the conversation for MVPs. Juan Franco is an MVP this year. They could win the World Series. So since you've been down there, are there uh, uh, something or some things that have really stood out to you? Other than everyone trying to figure out the rules, um, you know, and the, there's been a lot of uh, lost balls in the sun. And it's kind of the first week of spring training. So uh, angry managers and lost balls in the sun. Um, no, I, 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 I've been sort of monitoring, like, you know, I think everybody has the same sort of like pitching uh, setups now in terms of training and, and what they're doing. Like we're starting to get to a point where almost everyone's on the same page with like, you got your track man, you got your high speed video, you got your coach looking at the numbers and being like, mm, we want another inch up there or whatever, you know, like a lot of that's the same. But one big differentiator from team to team seems to be um, if they port that same style over to hitting. And some of the very best teams are teched out and are starting to have coaches that look at the data and be like, no, we want something like this, we want something like this, even with like, bad angles and pelvis and you know like they're, they're they're starting to get into that and the better teams are have more of that setup that looks more like the pitching side and the other teams are trying to catch up and so the hitting space to me is a real place for for teams to separate themselves going forward and i know you've been on a march to try and find some east coast breweries i know it's a different deal in florida what have we found in florida i just uh i wandered into tampa bay beer week yesterday <laughs> uh and i just went to i, I like uh, green bench brewing here in tampa and it's a very good brewing but I, I i just went there to have a bite to eat and have a beer before i, I got my hotel which uh, i'm staying in like the worst hotel I ever stayed in it's like it's got sticky floors Ew. and and uh and my and my door has one has one hinge so i have to like pull it up to close it oh or else my it won't god close. oh it's it's one of the grossest hotels i've stayed in but um yeah don't do la quinta man <laughs> uh so anyway um uh i just happened to be uh, here for beer week and we had some uh we had a west coast brewery in there cable car is just like the sour that everyone talks about that I've never had before. And I sat down and I had got a cable car from lost Abbey brewing in San Diego. Uh, and, uh, it was great. Yeah. So it was really fun to, just, and then as I was sitting there, the whole like festival filled in beside, I was like alone at the bar at first being like, Whoa, 
look at this beer list. This is crazy. And then I turn around and there's like, you know, 300 bearded white dudes behind me. <laughs> so it turned into a beer festival real quick. But uh, I really uh, I really had a good time. And I would suggest that anybody who goes down here goes to Green Bench. Well, I'm just going to say that's when you have a charmed life. Wherever you go, it's beer week. That's when you know. Like, you just show up. Oh, I'm here for beer week. Well, of course you're there for beer week. You're the beer guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I couldn't believe it. Where else are you going? Uh, after this, I think it's, um, we'll see. I have trying to get uh, to three camps, but I only have like two days. So uh, there's Toronto, uh, New York, and uh, Phillies, and I kind of have to pick two of the three. So I'm gonna, we'll see where we go next. You, you want to pick for me? Well, I would definitely say New York's boring. I mean, I mean, everybody goes. The Athletic gives us daily New York stuff anyway. I would go to Toronto and I would go to Philly because you're going to find better stories. I mean, the, the the Yankee stories are already told every day and everybody knows them. I'd go to Philly and Toronto. That might be that might be the way. Or how about if baseball really does change? What do the what does the Yankees beer softball league lineup look like in a new era of baseball? Yeah, I mean they they do strike out a little bit more than usual, and their defense is taking a really big hit right now. You know their their center fielder Harrison Bader is hurt, and their their pitching lineup is already they've lost two guys with with Frankie Montas being hurt, and now Carlos Rodon. So their depth is being tested, but the. The one, night, the one good thing about the Yankees is they actually aren't that bad at developing guys. So they've got uh, they've got a shortstop that can step in. They've got Oswaldo Cabrera in the outfield who can step in. Um, and I like Clark Schmidt, their starting pitcher, that's going to probably be in the rotation now because of all the injuries. So I think they're set up to be okay, but uh, you're right. The injuries are hitting them as hard as anybody, and they're hitting them at key positions. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can actually play defense everywhere. Safe travels, my friend. We'll talk to you next. Wait, what? Play is play is oh, play is close. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Wherever he goes, it turns into beer week. <laughs> All right, safe travels, my friend. Eno Saris from the Trop. How about that? That's how we cover baseball. We got people. We're coast to coast, border to border, McMahon, as Macho Man Randy Savage used to say. Uh, that was um, what, what do we call it? Boots on the ground. I'm going coast to coast, border to border. I loved when he did it, and when uh, Mr. Perfect did it, and he flipped a pen, he flipped the pencil up and pointed. it. Uh, we, Mr. We, Perfect was the best. We just had somebody at Tropicana Field in the Grapefruit League. Unfortunately, Tampa, because of a hurricane, I didn't know they were having a hurricane. They had to switch. Or maybe, or maybe it was just from. And we're complaining we were down there. It was cold. Yeah, and well, hey, it's raining here now. It's, it's, uh, well, just, not, it's just not raining here. Atmosphere. It hasn't rain. stopped raining. Atmosphere. All rain. night. I was supposed to play golf at one o'clock today. Course closed. It's a river running through there. I'm supposed to go to the earthquakes game tomorrow night. That's gonna be interesting. See if it rains the whole time. Oh God. So, I don't know. We'll see if I decide to go or not. I mean, it's a soccer game, and then it's going to be in the rain. Yeah. Good thing, it's a good thing I live so close to it. But I love soccer. It's my favorite sport. I once coached a team to a championship. Championship, we lost in the championship. You call it soccer. I call it football. You call it, you call it the pitch. I call it a field. You call it a game. I call it a match. 
I call you lame with your scarf <laughs> and your. I don't have one of those. Yeah, you don't have a scarf. No, but they're expensive. I looked to see how much they were on the. Well, Quakes then of course you're not going to have one on the Quakes website. I'm like, hey, I'm not. I'm not paying forty dollars for a scarf. I'm going to wear forty dollars, but you're going to go there and spend how much in booze? Uh, yeah, well, two drinks with forty bucks. Mm-hmm. So we got Rangers. We got A's. That's correct. Blackburn against Dane Dunning. Blackburn working on uh, trying to throw more changeups to right-handed hitters. More importantly, what kind of pizza did he have last night? Well, good question. Well, to- he's got a pizza place in Arizona. I know, and then he has one here in the Bay Area. So we'll have to we got to get him a pizza. That's a good tradition right there. You know what? I'm going to have pizza the night before I pitch. Pizza, pizza makes you feel good. Get a lot of carbs in you. Get you ready to rock. As you're afraid of carbs. Everybody's afraid of carbs. Not Blackburn. <laughs> are Bring you, on the carbs. Are you worried about his 54 ERA in spring training? No. <laughs> I don't. I, you know, there could be that. There could be that fan out there. It's like, oh, I don't know if he's going to rebound this year. It was one start. Hey, how about how about all the people that are hating on the new rules? All of a sudden, production's up, time down. It's exactly what the the, the it's exactly what the rules intended to do, and it's happening. All right, everybody, enjoy A's baseball. We'll see you Monday at a new time. We'll be at 11 a.m. with the time change, 11 to 1. Have a great weekend. Enjoy A's Rangers. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.